Welcome to Books, Stories, People, with me, Nancy Richards. At the Zeitz Museum of Contemporary African Art at the V&A Waterfront in Cape Town, there's somewhere in the region of 2,000 artworks made or owned by the residents of Cape Town. The massive exhibition, put together as a response to the COVID lockdown and a huge learning curve for the museum, has proven to be so popular that it's been extended not once, but twice until October 2021. I spoke to one of the team of curators, Tammy Langtree, to find out more and to listen in. So, Tammy, what on earth are we listening to here? Uh, you're listening to the, the audio element of an installation by an artist named Akisi Buchmann. And the piece is an installation you're meant to walk into and lay down in on. And it's, it's kind of replicating the possible sounds of birth, the possible sounds of an awakening moment, the opening moment. So it's quite meditative, it's quite an experience in itself, but it speaks to the mouth and the birthing canal as a way of entering the world, entering into the world. My goodness. Well, the whole exhibition is quite an experience, and as we walk through it, we're walking through what looks to me like the theme of the sea or the ocean. Yes, we nicknamed this room the Musenberg Room because a lot of these pieces came from uh, Musenberg, Casa Labia, specifically the art center there, uh, the Butterfly Art Project, and it very much shows how people responded to their environment. Uh, they're seeing the ocean every day, they are painting the ocean, they are in some instances collecting seashells or memorabilia from their visits to the ocean, so it's quite a poignant room in that sense, yes. It's all poignant and it's all quite overwhelming. Here we are, I can see an elephant tusk, I can see owls, I can see animals. What is is this little bit? So the exhibition is curated under various themes and the section we're standing in right now is the outside section. So it deals with all of the things relating to the outside world. Um, So as you just said, uh, the ocean or the seascape being one of them. Um, And in this room specifically, it was kind of a mix between landscapes and the animals we see in these landscapes. Very interesting the way people portrayed or understood portraiture of animals. And also obviously in art historical terms, landscapes you know, there's such an amazing long tradition of painting or drawing or observing the landscape. So that's a little bit of this area that we're standing in right now. It's so interesting to see what people have painted themselves, but what the sort of images that they really like. I mean, animals and birds certainly seem to have hit a bit of a note. We're surrounded by, what have we got here? We've got more elephants, we've got owls, we've got roosters, goodness me, and we've got African wild dogs, I think. So look, quite a lot of animals. Oh, I think we've even got a cheetah up there. Was it a leopard? We do, and we also have here one of my favourites, which is uh, an imprint or a outline of a rock art drawing that this person actually took from a rock. So they took the imprint and then sketched or drew on top of it. So uh, very exciting and interesting ways that people have interpreted animals, wildlife, the outdoors. Yeah, I think it shows us what we're interested in, what kind of images for me come up when we make art. You know, making art is a slow, sometimes fast, but often slow process of looking and observing and thinking about something. So I think it's fascinating to see people looking at their outside 
outside world and reflecting on it. This exhibition was conceptualized as part of being under lockdown, as a response to being under lockdown. Um, and some of these paintings, quite a lot of these paintings, are actually made by individuals during lockdown. So they were possibly at home thinking about the safari they could have never gone on anymore, or uh, the things, the way animals roam free outside and yet we are stuck at home. So there's an interesting context to why people made these artworks possibly. Um, but then in some instances, like the one on the wall behind us, we've got a series of uh, cheetahs, a dassie, a snake, and a rhino portrait. This is from a class, from a, from a kind of youngish art school. And so for them, drawing animals is just part of the, an artist getting their wrist you know, into the idea of what making art is about and getting better at it. Yeah. Well, what making art is, is all about is a, any one of a million different things. But I suppose that one of the things about this exhibition is that it reflects what Cape Town reflects or what Cape Townians reflect. So I think this feels to me like a city or urban or what, what is this bit? And, and how was it conceived? And what was the brief? The brief came from our executive director and chief curator, Koyo Ko. And it was during a period of lockdown where we were very much recontextualizing our experience we're thinking about new timelines. Obviously, we were locked down for seven months, and all of the exhibitions and programs we were planning to do got pushed out. And in thinking about new dates, we, we considered, but do we have to open? You know, we've gone through, as a society, as humanity, this life-changing experience globally. Do we just open with the same program, with the same uh, exhibitions? No, we can't. You know, we have to shift our focus. We have to remind ourselves what art is and why it's important to us and our relationship to it. So Koyo Ko had this idea idea that no, you know, our most important community and our surroundings is our immediate connection to art. So how about we ask them what they find important about art, what is their relationship to art, and what kind of art do they think is should be in a museum? So uh, the process was quite complicated. It was partly online, uh, where people submitted applications as well as images of their artworks, and then a process of actually going out into communities. Uh, we worked with about eight different art centers through our Center for Art Education, and we physically went out to these centers. We sat for hours on end and literally spoke to people about the artworks. People gave us the most moving stories about this was the last artwork or painting that my husband made before he passed away. Or I got this from my grandmother. Yes, incredibly moving stories. And so, you know, to have that kind of intimacy with the community of, of Cape Town and the artists of Cape Town and the collectors of Cape Town was incredibly moving and powerful for us. So it took us a few weeks actually to go out to all of these centers, to connect with people. People came to the museum and stood in queues for hours to hand over these artworks anywhere from a four-year-old's painting to kind of some South African art masters actually that some people had collected. So such a variety of works that came from so many different places but the collection process for me was very significant and very moving. And then from there we had to kind of coordinate and arrange and curate it into the rooms that you're seeing now. So at the moment, we're standing in the first gallery of the outside section. As I mentioned, we have themes like garden, outside, inside, relations, and time. And we just thought these were nice holding words for some of the things we might have been struggling with during lockdown, the things we might have been questioning and thinking about. So in the outside, in the first room, what we really wanted to do was to instigate with a lot of energy. You know, we have not been able to access our cities as we usually do, which are an economic hub it's where people, you know, do their daily job, they get their money at the end of the month kind of from these cities. 
and yet we don't get to access them. So what does that mean? So we've interspersed in this room paintings of like a jostling city you see there, a painting by David Kolwane, but also kind of maps here where you can see maybe some of the historical ways that people thought about cities and putting them together. Uh, we have an old drawing or, or work on the silo building and, and the waterfront um, back in the day. Uh, but we also have some other interpretive works that deal with the undercurrents of things that might be happening in urban spaces. Um, some ideas of violence, some ideas of escape. Um, so what does the city space mean to people and how do we capture that through our artwork. So that is this first room, really. And I suppose that everything means something different to everybody else. Art means something different to each and every person. You mentioned David Kolwani there. And you've got four-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 100-year-olds. So was anybody turned away? Because you've got rank amateurs next to top-flight professionals. Mm -hmm. Did you turn anything away? Did, what brief did you give people? Briefly. <laughs> we originally reached out to people and asked them to submit based on some categories. So if you have a young Gerard Zekoto, uh, that being your kid who makes art, if, you have, if you're a collector and you love African artists, show us your collection, uh, or you're a professional artist. So we had some categories that we asked people to um, submit under, but uh, we didn't turn things away. We accepted everyone's work. We actually got quite a shock when, or people gave us quite a shock when they kept asking the question is, is it in? You know, is my artwork in? Is it accepted? And yes, we said every artwork will be accepted. Every artwork will be exhibited. There were a few works, I will say, that perhaps the frame wasn't in the best quality and to exhibit the work might be damaging the artwork. In those instances, we've asked the people to please take their work back and possibly submit something else. So there were those exchanges that happened, but otherwise we exhibited everything that we got. Uh, we worked around many of the installations, and this is actually the way we treat artists when they exhibit in the museum. So everyone received this kind of attention to their artwork. So you were very democratic. You accepted each Absolutely. and every piece, whatever. Um, and some of them are, are sort of, uh, well, maybe not old masters, but some of them are very old. Some of them are absolutely brand new. Some of them, as you say, done during lockdown. But you mentioned the curatorial aspect of it. I don't know how many pieces there are here. I'm going to take a, a flyer. 1,500? Somewhere between 1,600 and 2,000. I think it's just over 2,000, but it depends on what you call an artwork. Some artworks have a few elements to them, but there would be one artwork. But when we count and we look at them, there's about 2,000 artworks. Some people submitted entire class, so there's like 10 artworks under one person's name, but I would say about 2,000, which is no small feat for us uh, to deal with, to work through. A curatorial nightmare. And as I look at one particular wall, we're looking from sort of floor to ceiling, and ceiling being very, very high. How did you physically get them up? I, I'm imagining maybe you laid them all out on the ground and then put them up. But yes. Or did you work on graph paper? Physically, how did you do it? Uh, the strategy was to first have the themes. You know, the artworks came in and they were kind of placed in different areas based on that theme, what we thought. And luckily, there were about six, seven, eight of us working from a curatorial aspect, organizing and ordering the works. Um, so we took turns, you know, kind of moving things around figuring out what the layout would be. Oh, no, that work, actually, I don't think it goes in outside. I think it goes in time. So it was that also kind of negotiation between each other of, you know, where we think certain works fit. And it was that process of l walking an artwork, physically lifting and walking an artwork. So it was exhausting.
building it was very intense and we had about a week to install everything so it was a physical challenge but yeah we laid things out on the floor and we worked with an amazing um, company uh, and their team who ha- who do professional hanging and they have a very mathematical way of, of, of doing artworks and as you can see as you said from floor to ceiling uh, salon style was the chosen kind of hanging approach um, but yes we laid them out on the floor and then kind of moved them around thinking about the way artworks you know connected to each other um, how themes emerge how thematics connected uh, so we would do that for each wall so it took us hours I mean we left we would show up here sometimes 8 in the morning and leave 10 o'clock at night just to make the curfew also that was that, that we had at the time so it was physically exhausting but very fulfilling and nourishing yes and lots of fun hopefully yes. it's certainly fun to look at it and if only everything were sort of oblong or square or you know had four <laughs> corners that would have been so easy but you had quite a lot of installations you had quite a lot of ceramics uh, even um, even sculptures uh, at did they have take a separate a separate place in the ex- exhibition? Yes, yeah, so we did notice that there was a very clear favourite in paintings, drawing and photography. So, you know, those can easily work on the walls. But, I mean, we do only have so much floor space. But we created some very unique moments where sculptures or installations could be housed. And then ceramics, we kind of grouped them together because these delicate things can sometimes get lost in a sea of other images. So we did group um, ceramics together so that they could be appreciated together but yeah uh, we, we tried to make those special moments where a sculpture or a ceramic or a sound piece could shine yeah so you've got approximately 2,000 artists just for argument's sake who are exhibiting here how many people have you had coming through because it, the exhibition started and then stopped and then was extended and has now been extended again how many people have come through maybe not so much in numbers but what's been their response it's been an overwhelming love for the exhibition. We opened and we had quite a big crowd at that stage because, you know, we didn't have as many restrictions. We were just easing out of lockdown. Um, so we had quite a number of people on site on the day of opening who absolutely loved the way that the exhibition had been put together. They loved the attention to their work. A lot of people also loved the way that artworks could speak to each other. I think as an artist, you look at your work and you're so hyper-focused on it, you don't think about how it talks to other things thematics or other styles so I think people love that connection point of talking to the other artists and learning more about other artists and we've had people consistently coming through to see the exhibition the reason for extension was really to allow more people to come and see the exhibition we realized that due to things slowing down because of the lockdown um, and the changing restrictions you know people don't feel as mobile as they used to so how can we enable them to really continue enjoying this exhibition is extending it and yeah as I said we've had consistently people people come through the space. Some people saying they're coming for the third time uh, with new friends or other family. So yeah, it's been really amazing to hear people's responses. Our social media has never been more active (laughs) just by people posting their own images. So proud of seeing their work on the wall. Yeah, it's been great. I suppose that's been one thing that's been really important because the Zeitzmoker, wonderful as it is, it's sort of a little bit in an ivory tower. It's certainly not an ivory tower, but it is, mm. you know, it's not so easy to get to for a lot of people. Mm. And maybe some people don't even know about it. Some people are not necessarily art exhibition goers. Do you think that you've maybe touched a nerve, you've opened up windows for a new type of audience? Is this a good thing for the Zeitz? 
Absolutely. I think this is one, lifting out and acknowledging the people that for a few years now have supported Zeitzmoker and visited Zeitzmoker, and some people are members and some people are regular visitors. Um, but I, uh, absolutely, going out into communities and actually connecting with people at art centers, which means that to some degree they appreciate art, they love art, they want to learn more about art. Connecting and partnering with those organizations was fundamental to expanding our conversations around art and the presence of art in our lives. We did see that there were still some obstacles, you know. Artists don't always have artworks perfectly ready when an exhibition comes knocking. So we had artists who were unable to frame things, but we worked around those issues. We worked around those obstacles to make sure that we had more than enough access and connection between people who, they want to participate, but they don't always have the means, whether it's distance, whether it's, uh, you know, as I said, preparing the artwork for that final stage of exhibiting, uh, we definitely saw the challenges artists are still going through to access a space like this. I guess it's all about people, isn't it? People and painters and whatever other type of artists they may be. And talking of people, you've got a, a one room which I think must have been terribly popular where you've got portraits. Tell us about some of those portraits. I know you've got the arch, but there are a whole lot of people there. Tell me about them. You know, we weren't really sure. I mean, there was a digital process where people submitted things where we could kind of get a gauge for what people were submitting. And relations felt important, not just really the title of that exhibition or the room gallery is called uh, Relations. So we knew it was important to deal with this idea of the relationship to self, the re relationship to each other, the relationship to broader ideas of society and citizenship. But that room just kept growing. We thought it would be one room and it just expanded into three galleries of portraits. So we really learned that portraiture is one of, it's a fan favorite, it's a artistic excellence, you know, people looking and observing themselves, each other. And there's something so intimate and personal about that. Some amazing work in that room, some very emotional work in that room, some very insightful work in that gallery. Yeah, it's definitely a favorite. How we see each other. How do we see each other? Do we see each other? How do we interpret each other? Mm -hmm. And on that, on the people's story, uh, we came along and brought a couple of pictures, and there were, as you say, it took two or three hours to get through. It was quite an experience in itself, including there was one little boy, he must have been about five or six, who was there with his mum and dad, and who proudly delivered his artwork. For me, that was a kind of a standout story. For you, what were the standout stories? What were the other, the people stories that, that mm -hmm. you came across? Um, two stories that I'll mention, and they do involve kids, which for me was the some of the most... Actually, now I'm going to mention three. Two are with kids, and one is with a more older artist. Uh, one was a four-year-old that came on a kind of a styrofoam plate. He'd done this experimental painting and wasn't sure how to talk about it, but his mom brought him in and put the work in front of us. And it's like, you know, when an artist first finds the words of explaining what they're doing as an artist. And to hear it from a four-year-old thinking of how he's going to grow and develop and strengthen his artistic approach was amazing for me to feel that. And to see parents also support uh, the artist in, in that. And very interestingly enough, when he visited the exhibition, he ran around like a crazy person looking for that artwork and almost broke down when he thought it wasn't exhibited but he found it we we got him to see it and he started crying he was so moved by the fact that it made it all the way onto the wall um, another was uh, an artist out in Stellenbosch and he was doing drawings in a notebook 
and he was unsure about how to kind of pass this artwork on to us. You know, like, what do I do? How are you going to exhibit it? And it was the process of asking him, could you tear this out? Would you sign it? And he never signed an artwork before. So for him, it was about that step into thinking about himself as an artist and going, this is how I work. So that was a very humbling and powerful moment. And then the last one I will say is an artist who did a work, painted, did a painting at university, also from Stellenbosch actually, which is, is, has a university there. And so there is an awareness and a community of artists. Um, and they'd made this painting and uh, they'd not exhibited it since then kind of gotten forgotten in a, in a storeroom. And on asking about this exhibition, the work got pulled out. And so we were looking at like a painting someone made in 1996, I believe, and an amazing painting at that. It's a painting depicting Cape Town as a city, and you almost don't recognize it because the architecture has changed so much. But um, to be able to reflect and have that conversation with the artist and unearth that work was a beautiful moment. So we've got history here, we've got geography, we've got wildlife, we've got conservation, we've got colonial mentality. I'm looking at this painting here, which is a, a piece in itself. And ultimately, I think we've also got the people's names. I, I mean, I can't yes. imagine that anybody would be anything other than deeply chuffed to have their artwork hanging here at the sites. Mm -hmm. But right at the end, you've got everybody's names painted on the wall. Tell me how that came about. We have, we engaged a sign writer, muralist, because in some way we wanted to represent the names of all of the artists or lenders in some instances in some way that was visual, that was representative of the concept of the, of the idea that the art community was coming together, the art community was, was being acknowledged. And the muralist really took that forward and he created this beautiful mural of the title Homies with Artists and embedded in that all, it, it's using the names of all of the artists on the exhibition. So you kind of again are going through this hunt to find your name, to find out how you are threaded into the bigger exhibition title. Um, so it was quite symbolic, it was very, very powerful for him because he was here a couple of days a week over the last three months creating this and he would have constant conversations with the artist as they would walk out. So he was actually also learning about the artists, what they were doing, how they were making things and adding their name to the wall. So yeah, it was a beautiful process. Lovely. I met him. His name was Clive, I think. Clive, yes. yes. Are there any big names? I mean, could we expect to see William Kentridge's name up there? <laughs> or any other big names that we should recognize? Yes. Well, a few, as I mentioned, we had, uh, we have David Kolwane, um, who is a very well-known South African artist who's passed on now. He died about two years ago. Uh, we also have John Mwafangejo, a printmaker, well, he, yeah, printmaker, and he's we have some early work of his that someone collected at the age of like 13 and has just kept all this time. And yes, we have some other more up-and-coming artists. I know Kim Macon is one, Lauren Tiernison here behind you is another one. So yes, everything from quite senior, established, what we think of when we, when we look at art history, um, to up-and-coming contemporary artists that either have studied or are either making waves in the, in the art scene, yes. You know, just lastly, epic as it was to put it up, it's going to be even more epic to take it all down. How is that process? How are you even going to begin? I know it's going to be on until October 2021, but how will the taking down process go about? And will you keep any of them? Will any of them end up in the permanent collection of the sites? Mm. 
I think we blocked out the process that it took to get all the work here because just recently in connecting with all of the artists to you know extend their loan agreements and negotiate uh, an extension an extended date we had to talk to everyone and it was wonderful to speak to the same people you you kind of did a conditioner report with or people that you saw in a queue that you just popped a conversation had a conversation with so I think we blocked it out a little bit like time <laughs> But um, I think we, not so looking forward to the exhibition down, coming down, but we, we glad to have it for a little bit longer, to enjoy it a little bit longer. The coming down process of the exhibition is always kind of emotional because uh, you have to let go of the thing that you got so comfortable with and used to. We have still, we are still considering ways that this exhibition can be a con continual program that we do, um, but I think in different forms, because this one just is exhausting for the, the size of the team that we have. And I don't know if some of the works will stay on. I know some people have spoken about wanting to donate their work, but at the moment we have two different collections which work slightly differently. So yeah, I think maybe in, in future, but not for this edition, no. Well, just whilst we walk back, talking of childbirth, let's walk back to where we began, which was at the yes, birthing station. And you can tell me, this is going to be a really difficult question, do you have any favorites? Am I even allowed to ask oh, you that? That's such a difficult question because almost every time you walk through the exhibition, you see something new, you fall in love with something new. During the process of putting it up also, we kind of shared favorites. Um, I'll show you one. It's kind of more funny than anything, but it's this painting right here of someone surfing a wave and they've put a little arrow saying that the wave is corona and the little person is them, so they're white surfing the corona wave. I mean, it's just so comical and so catchy. I love this work. So do I. <laughs> so very finally, Tammy, if anybody who is not in Cape Town, not able to come and see it, can they see any of it on your website? Yes, we have actually put up quite a lot of, of the exhibition installation images online. Um, we also have on our social media, on Instagram, specifically done one-on-one -on -one interviews with some of the artists, and that will be something we'll continue to do. So you can actually hear the artists speak directly about their art. You'll see the artwork and learn a little bit more about why they make art. Uh, and that's on our Instagram, at SideSmoker. And as I mentioned, we have did a few discussions uh, last year, December 2020, uh, where we spoke to some of the artists in community art centers as well. So just to hear a little bit more of the, the dialogue and the conversations around the exhibitions, that's also online. But yes, there's a lot of content that we've put out of the installation because it is so overwhelming and so beautiful. Uh, you can definitely check it out there. And the website is? Uh, Zeitsmoker, at Zeitsmoker. Thank you.